Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So today is a really exciting day because it is our 20th episode special. Now, for our 20th episode special, we have a Q&A. A couple of weeks ago, I put up a Q&A on the Instagram, the TikTok, and the YouTube community and allowed you guys to ask anything you wanted. And today, I will be answering all of these questions. Well, not quite all of them. I mean, most of them. Now, Drew is going to be here with me. He's normally behind the camera, but he's going to be asking me all these questions. And if I didn't get to your questions, I do apologize. I will get to them next time. Thank you so much for firing your questions in. My name is Harrison Brown, and this is the Internet Podcast. It's like, it's like strange. It's like, I feel like, I feel like it's an interview. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's not interrogation though. It's your face. I know, I know. <laughs> Right, but yeah, fire away. Let's do it. Let's go on. Yes. So, um, who's been your favorite guest you've had on the podcast? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no, big one off the start. My favorite guest. It's a it's hard to pick a favorite. I think that because the podcast covers so many different mm. categories, right? Mm. So you've got like Ali, who was in last for episode mm. nineteen, was a keto and paleo specialist, which is great because mm. I'm interested in diet, and I'm like eighty percent keto-ish mm-hmm. as it is last night valentine's day was a blip but pretty much there and then you have people like blair kinghorn who's obviously a scottish rugby player mm-hmm. i'm really into rugby i love that kind of stuff mm. and then you have adrian barker who's a watch enthusiast but mm-hmm. he's also a youtuber that's what i do as well mm-hmm. so i think it's hard to pick like a favorite guest mm. i think the guy that i've known best is adrian because he's a pal mm-hmm. but then the second time ali came in he's kind of a pal as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. It's funny, there's there's a weird thing that happens when you podcast where because you have no inference of a mobile phone mm-hmm. or connective devices in any way, you have such a deep conversation with the guest that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. Because if you can imagine us in a bar mm-hmm. at the moment, <clears throat> odds are there'd be alcohol involved, so you wouldn't be able to remember mm-hmm. much. There's mobile phones, there's TVs everywhere, mm-hmm. people are distracted, there's so much stimulus. Whereas when you're in the podcast studio like we are today, it's just me and you and there's some cameras mm. and that's it. Yeah. And I think that's pretty nice. So I, the answer to that question is I couldn't possibly pick a favorite. I'd piss, <laughs> I'd piss a lot of people off if I a favorite. <laughs> All right. That's a good, good answer. Uh, next question is who's the most famous person you have in your contact list? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a good question. I believe it would probably be Nico Lennard, the man himself. Oh, yeah. Um, he's got one... 0.6 million yeah, subscribers yeah. he's a he's a big watch collector uh, brilliant guy by the way so helpful and to get someone that's on the spectrum of fame like he is that is so down to earth like i remember he fired me a message on instagram just being like can i call you for a second and i was like yeah sure why not he is identical to what he is in youtube he's like he's he's mental mm-hmm. but he's such a lovely guy mm-hmm. and he called me and just like told me what i was doing wrong mm-hmm without any you know you know payment or anything needed he was just like oh man you should try this and and instead of doing this why don't you try Mm -hmm. this and actually change that thumbnail because x and to get someone that's on that stratosphere that is so uh open to just chatting to people Mm -hmm. in a normal way Mm -hmm. and not being snobby is really amazing thing Mm -hmm. long-winded way of saying it's nico yeah (laughs) probably nico (laughs) oh that's cool um okay so the next one is what's your definition of success uh okay that's my definition of success is probably being in control of my own time Mm -hmm. being comfortable enough that 
you don't need to work that month if mm. you don't want to work that month or mm. or you can travel for a while if you want to go mm -hmm. and travel for a while because you've got a buffer and a cushion mm -hmm. of, of funds i think that's success to me is having comfortability but also there's different types of success because you could be highly successful in business but your family life is a wreck mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you could have a highly successful family but your business and your job might not fulfill you so success can be defined in tons of different ways i think success for me is having a really tight-knit family a really tight-knit group of friends uh, but also having that comfortability of not struggling for money mm -hmm. i think that as much as people hate to say it money buys you opportunity it doesn't buy you happiness but mm -hmm. it definitely buys you opportunities mm -hmm. to be happy mm -hmm. i'm not saying that everything you buy is going to make you happy there's mm -hmm. certainly things that i've bought that were just stupid like mm -hmm. <laughs> stuff yeah, yeah yeah but i do think that being in control of your time is a huge factor mm -hmm. uh, of success for me and i think that's like a uh, that's that's been in the pipeline for a while like i, I used mm. to travel mm. for my job and that's what success was to me at that point because i could do what i wanted mm -hmm. having said that look, looking back in it now i quickly realized that i wasn't on my own time i was on somebody else's mm. time but they were just sending me to travel yeah so yeah. it can be defined in different ways i think success in general to me would be having a, a healthy like loving family um being really close with my family eventually down the line having kids mm -hmm. um it's not on the cards at all soon eventually having kids and being comfortable enough to say you know i want to spend three months with my children who mm -hmm. are young mm -hmm. i can afford to take that time away from work mm -hmm. that's success to me mm -hmm. um but yes yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because it can be defined in so many different ways mm. and i think so many people get caught into the trap of success being just purely money focused mm -hmm. i don't think it is yeah 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 I, I agree i know what you mean i think uh like like for example elon musk what's his definition mm -hmm. of success he has all the money in the world yeah and you can see him there's there's interviews uh i believe it was on the diary of ceo somebody that did uh what do you what do you call it habituary when it's just like someone that follows you around and writes your life yeah kind of like for a book or something yeah yeah exactly and this gentleman said that there was times that Elon Musk would like have panic attacks on the the, mm -hmm. the floor of his Tesla factory. Oh yeah. And although Elon Musk's business are highly highly successful, uh, there's potentially a factor that it comes he, at cost. It comes at a cost. And I think success is having balance as well, right? So you have you have your time spent with your family and your time spent with your business. If it, if it tips mm -hmm. too far to one side you could define it as not being successful in the other area. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you balance out, that's a formula for success, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah, yeah, okay, nice. Um, all right, next question. Has podcasting changed your perspective of the world? That's a, another good one, man. You're, you're on, well, the Q&A people are on fire today. Has podcasting changed my perspective on the world? It's definitely opened my eyes to different areas that I wasn't in tune with before. So like, uh, for example, Ali, the, the last gentleman that was on, he, he tells me stuff, so much stuff that I just had no idea about. He's such a knowledgeable, in-depth guy. And that changes my perspective on the future uh, of what I do. For example, my diet. Mm -hmm. Ali speaks in length about what wheat does to the gut and how it allows... Uh, things into the blood that perhaps shouldn't be there and that has changed my perspective on how i look at my diet mm -hmm. so it definitely changes your perspective 
based on what guest you get in. It also gives you perspective on certain things. Like as people, we are so lucky in a lot of ways. Like my mum and dad are still together mm-hmm. uh, and my brother or sister, I'm very close with them. You know, we had a gentleman called Marcus Kennedy on that really unfortunately is very sad. He's not seen his dad in 15 years. He's not in contact with his dad. And it gives you perspective that you are very lucky in the situation mm-hmm. that you're in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, has it changed my perspective on life? Yeah, absolutely. I think it has. And I think it will continue to do so. And fortunately and thankfully for the viewers out there, because the podcast is getting bigger and because the views are getting bigger, more guests are wanting to come in and I'm sure that they'll change my perspective on life. Yeah, constantly. It's a, you know, the world is ever changing. So, you know, one minute yeah. you think you know everything and then next minute yeah. everything changes. Yeah, it's shattered. And like, <laughs> that's, right. that's what Ali did. And mm-hmm. uh, the gentleman like David Potter, who's come on, who's highly, highly academic or Brian Costello, the therapist, mm-hmm. like th- these guys will tell you things and they'll say, it will be, you kind of knew them, but they'll say it in a certain way that you really understand it. Yes. And that changes your outlook on life, mm-hmm. like totally. Or there'll be facts that you thought you believe were right and they're not mm-hmm. um and the way that you've been living maybe isn't or the way uh, you were taught to live or the way you were brought up to live is not yeah. what you expected it to be exactly exactly yeah. and and, yeah. and i think that that's something that just changes with age as well you're more in tune yeah. to learning and listening i was really bad when i was younger for just not listening to people mm-hmm. i knew best mm-hmm. whereas when you like the more conversations you have with people that are more intelligent than you in that area mm-hmm. because they're quite niche mm-hmm. you you end up learning and it changes your perspective like i'm not mm-hmm. keto or paleo expert mm-hmm. um I, i'm not a you know business expert like like david potter mm-hmm. uh, and some things he they say it totally changes your perspective but i think that that's a hack for anyone listening a huge hack if you're going into a certain area of business or a certain niche say you are beginning a business that reviews watches like mm-hmm. we do on the chismata channel uh, that you sell and review watches if you speak to someone that has been in the industry for 10 years pay them for a day write everything that they tell you down mm-hmm. you've got a huge head start because mm-hmm. they've made all the mistakes mm-hmm. like do you remember when we used to do the yeah. youtube channel and it was just steep learning curve <laughs> it was a steep learning curve and it was just like not good yeah but you know, we spoke to the likes of Nico. Yeah. We spoke to the likes of Adrian. We spoke to the likes of Andrew Morgan, like established yeah. YouTubers that have been doing it for a while. Yeah. And they tell you stuff that you just uh, you just didn't know. I mean, Nico sent me a voice note and he was like, uh, I said, what do you think of this thumbnail? And, and uh, what do you think of this thumbnail and title? And he goes, no, mate, to be honest, it's fucking shite. <laughs> and he just like destroyed it. But he was right mm-hmm. in what he was saying. Uh, so... You know, if, if that's a hack for anyone is just talk to somebody that's been in the industry or has been successful in the industry mm-hmm. and that'll put you two years ahead mm-hmm. of anybody else mm-hmm. because you immediately have identified all the mistakes that they made and yeah. you will not make the same mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And not to be devil's advocate, but I think like, you know, in some ways making mistakes and going through the journey of life, let's just not just say just work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you relish the journey when you get older because... Uh, if you were just to zip forward in 10, 20 years time, you've got all the money, you've got all the success, everything's working, everything's ticking, then then what? why why would it be rewarding to be there? Yeah. Right? The, yeah. It, well, interestingly, there's a thing uh, when it comes to the, and I, th- I believe it was David and I that talks about this in the podcast, I can't, I can't remember, but when children 
have ultra, ultra, ultra successful parents, billionaires, mm -hmm. multi-millionaires that give them everything, they are more inclined to have uh, depressive personalities because they've not achieved anything. Mm. You know, they've kind of been handed it on mm -hmm. a plate. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's bad and it's very difficult for the parent if they mm -hmm. are successful. You want to give your kid everything, mm -hmm. but your kid needs to have challenges mm -hmm. in order to grow mm -hmm. and they need to have, like figure themselves out, make their own mistakes mm -hmm. um, and realize that they're mistakes, be told off. Mm -hmm. But the problem with these people that have unlimited funds, unlimited money, mm -hmm. nobody firstly wants to tell them they're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Look at Kanye West. Yeah, there's a there's a really interesting thing. They're just people that have been born into privileged posi privileged positions. Sometimes are less happy. Mm -hmm. So even though you're struggling, or you may be struggling with a project, eventually you'll look back and be like, "Oh, remember? Look at where we came from mm -hmm. versus where we are now." Yeah, and yeah. that kind of happened with the the channel in a lot yeah. of ways. Like yeah. we're now in our own studio, whereas at the start of the youtube channel which we we ran coaches and hunter for anyone listening we would have to drive through to edinburgh every day uh, which is like an hour and a half drive and probably two hours back because of the traffic mm -hmm. we would then have to build a makeshift set on <laughs> in like at a champagne bar for no reason mm -hmm. then we would have to like film everything uh, in a couple of hours even though there's like people shouting in the shop and all that kind of stuff and then we would have to strip it all back edit it all even though I didn't like, it was just wild. Yeah. But yeah. We've learned, we look back. Yeah. <laughs> and we learned, we've learned from it and we've moved on from it. And, and, uh, on reflection, we can laugh at it and yeah. we can say, look at where we started versus where we are now. And mm -hmm. by the way, we're nowhere near where we need to be mm -hmm. or where, where we can be. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we've come a hell of a long way. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I can't even remember the question. I'm going to have to go around. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. So, uh, how do you deal with online criticism? Crit I can't even say that. I'm sorry. Criticism. 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 How, how do you deal with online criticism? It's something that you don't really get used to. And the, 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 the criticism online is always going to happen. We, at a point, we're getting, you know, half a million views in a video on YouTube. The odds are that 1% of that, those viewers are not going to like you. Mm -hmm. That's just the probability of odds. If you met a hundred people, you'd probably think one's a dick, right? Mm -hmm. If you were in the pub and met a hundred people in a line, in a queue, shaking their hands, you'd mm -hmm. probably be like, you're a bit of a dick. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of how it works. So criticism online is always going to happen. You cannot avoid it. 99% uh, of the time you cannot avoid it and just don't read them mm -hmm. like if somebody came up to you randomly and just said you're pretty ugly mate you'd be like why the hell would I listen to you mm -hmm. whereas online we tend to read these things and we tend to take them personally mm -hmm. and it's this really toxic trait that people have that they are attracted to negative things if you look at news outlets they always focus on negativity because they know that it will get the clicks. Mm -hmm. The brain is wired to respond to negativity, the, to things that trigger us. And normally the things that trigger us are personal to us. On the flip side of that, sometimes there's criticism that you get online that the reason that it upsets you is because it's true. So maybe your presenting was a bit crap or, or uh, maybe the photo that you posted was edited in a really strange way and somebody's commented and it's not 
specifically personal to you, but it's criticism about your work. Sometimes they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. Like we, we've had people that comment on, let's say YouTube or the podcast even, mm -hmm. and it's not always that they are wrong. And sometimes that's the reason why it hurts mm -hmm. because you like, shit, you've pointed out something that I didn't realize. But the good thing about that is you learn and you grow and you change and you adapt. Mm -hmm. I think criticism online is always going to happen. To deal with it, don't read the comments, especially when you scale up. You just can't, you can't sustain mm -hmm. it. You can't read it. You know, we get horrible comments on some of the YouTube videos um, about personal things about, you know, your, your, my nose or mm -hmm. my, like the, the slit in my eye, there's a scar in my eyebrow. I get mm -hmm. that a lot. Mm -hmm. Or like my hairline, <laughs> do mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But like, mm -hmm. firstly, you need to strip it back and say, if this person came up to me in person and said this, would I listen to them? No. Mm -hmm. So why are you listening to them online? Mm -hmm. Secondly, if it does have an impact on you, like it has, it does have an impact on most people mm -hmm. and me, mm -hmm. just do not read them. Yeah. Reply to some of the comments that my rule is uh, for the first hour or for, for the first 30 minutes, I'll reply to people in the comments um, and say, thank you for watching. And, you know, thank you for your comment and try and have a conversation because a lot of these people are lovely, lovely people. Mm -hmm. But after that, just turn it off, mm -hmm. leave it you said something to me when you first we start first started mm -hmm. working together that stuck with me and it's be a creator don't be a consumer <laughs> and, it, and it and it never left me because i was really bad for consuming things yeah. online instead of creating yeah and of that. yeah exactly and and i think that it's the most valuable lessons that i've ever learned in the online space mm -hmm. be a creator do not be a consumer that's right i think that's a huge lesson for people yeah, you love it. Um, okay, what inspired you to cover such diverse topics such as mental health and food health? Uh, good question. I think that the, Christ, these are good questions. Whoever is asking these, thank you very much for, for commenting them and sending them in. Um, such as mental health and, and, and food and diet. I think that things carry a stigma when they're not spoken about. We've all felt that awkward tension with our other half when there is an issue that's unresolved, right? We can all feel that bubbling away, that kind of anger bubbling away or that that kind of like anxiety. And I believe by talking about things, we, we normalize it. I remember talking in a podcast with, with Brian Costello, the therapist, and I was like, listen, I had a lump on my balls. I went and got him checked. And I feel like by like normalizing that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, mm -hmm. you you strip away the fear that other people sometimes create in their own minds. So, for example, you could get your balls checked, right? Everyone needs to do it. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a pretty horrible thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's like weird. It's mm -hmm. strange having a, having a especially like you know having a dude play with your balls. <laughs> it's like not that great. Unless you're into that, sorry. yeah. But sometimes <laughs> if you're into that, it's fine. But like, it's awkward. You don't know this yeah. guy. Like he doesn't know you. He's just like he's looking at your scroll. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I think that by kind of normalizing it and, and, and also ha adding some humor to it, man. Like mm -hmm. people should laugh their way through life. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe. Mm -hmm. Like things happen. Yeah, shit happens. But like people should laugh their way through life. We're here for a blink of an eye. It's over before we know it. Mm -hmm. I'm 26 now. Mm -hmm. like, I th feel like I'm 17 still. Mm. And, um, and, and people shouldn't be anxious about these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, yeah, by talking about for example, mental health or diet uh, or, or just like these 
anxiety-stricken things, it, it removes that stigma and it encourages other people to do it. Um, you know, you would much rather get your balls checked and, and, and sort that issue quickly if it was an issue. Thank God for me, it wasn't in touch wood. Um, but you would much rather, instead of just shelling up and going into your shell and being scared about these kind of things, just get it sorted, meet it head on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I love comedy a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. I remember listening to, who's the Scottish comedian that's, he's, he's huge uh, and he's, unfortunately, he's got Parkinson's. Um, oh, is it Billy Connolly? Billy Connolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was talking about get, getting a finger up the bum, mm, right? Okay. <laughs> and he was, he was talking about getting everything checked out. And he did a huge comedy sketch about it. And a really serious issue all of a sudden had people laughing mm. and had, had people saying, everyone, you know, everyone goes through this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's just laugh about it. Yeah, yeah. Life is what you make it. Life is what you make it. It's life, life, life's a journey. And if you, mm. if you uh, have the outlook of, fear mm-hmm. and anxiety that becomes your reality whereas mm-hmm. if you have the output like the or sorry the perspective of fun mm-hmm. and humor and a positive mindset that becomes your reality mm-hmm. so i think having a positive mindset which is something that everyone struggles with mm. from time to time yeah. is so important and that's why i talk about these topics it's not to depress people it's not to bring people down it's to educate mm-hmm. and also to encourage listen if you've if you've uh, been having stomach cramps and you've got ibs perhaps it is time to look at your diet mm-hmm. and as ali says maybe you start with the carnivore diet and then one by one start introducing your food and figure out what the issue is and mm-hmm. um, you know you're not broken as another podcast guest has said referencing a load of them but you're not broken perhaps maybe something that you were doing and it's not right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. your diet you've got ibs okay well let's re- instead of just living with it mm-hmm. let's change your diet and then let's remove one food source at a time or, or add one food source at a time sorry until we figure out what the issue is mm-hmm. that, that that issue could be anything um, but yeah that's a long-winded way of saying just removing that stigma mm-hmm. and uh you know living your life positively adding some humor yeah i love that all right. The next question. Uh, do you question what you learn? Jesus Christ. These are really good questions. Depending on who I learn it from. Okay. <laughs> yes, depending on who I learn it from. For example, you do get people that are highly, highly educated and highly, highly skilled in a certain area and have proven that through demonstrating it. Mm-hmm. For example... Nico Lennard, for people that don't know him, is a very successful YouTuber and he has 1.6 million subscribers. He didn't get there overnight and he, and he got there because he is an expert within his area. I would listen to him and I would test what he is saying, but I would probably believe him because he's credible. Hmm. I think part of it goes back to credibility. But also, yeah, you do need to question things, especially on the news. Mm. That the news is a cesspit of negative crap that nobody's checking, mm-hmm. and there's 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 things that I've seen on the news that I've looked up, and it's just bullshit. Mm. It's just like it's not true. Mm-hmm. And there are guests yep. that that come along, and I check what they say, mm-hmm. and I check it before the po- podcast normally is published, so that if there is something that's maybe not as accurate, I'll strip it away. Um, but a lot a lot of stuff. 
needs checked and is not being performed by experts. For example, do you really think the journalist that is writing about COVID-19 actually has any idea about the virus? No. So why would they check what they're saying and publishing to the world? So I think that everything needs checked. However, for me personally, depending on who's telling me it, I will, if, they, if they've proven it through experience and um, demonstrating it, normally I will listen to them. And I'll be like, well, you, you know, for example, I hate to bring it back to people, but Adrian or Nico will say, you should probably tweak X, Y, and Z. They've demonstrated that this works. So yeah, I'd listen to them. Whereas if you have some guy being like, oh, uh, I major in business. I, I have a PhD in business studies. And I'm like, great, have you started a business yet? No. Why would I listen to you? You've not demonstrated it. Because I hate to say it, but a lot of people can get degrees. And, and, and not many people can prove that they can actually use those degrees. Mm -hmm. So there's two sides to the, to the coin. I think that, yeah, that the answer is check everything and don't believe what the <laughs> outlets are telling you. But if someone has proven it with a track record, let's talk about Richard Branson or Elon Musk, a lot of his strategies uh, will probably be implemented because they work. They fundamentally work. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I get that. Um, okay, are you self-conscious? Am I self-conscious? I think less so now than I used to be. I think that as you get older, you realize that that spot on your face, people probably don't care as much as you think they do. And I think that comes with aging, you know, like with men, like especially guys start losing their hair. Like, yeah, like everyone gets that residual torpedo. So do I. And at the start, when you're 21, 22, 23, or whenever you get it, you're like, oh my God, my life's over. And then you realize actually it's not that deep. Like being self-conscious is something that you can definitely work on. Uh, and part of working on being self-conscious is just not reading those negative, that negative feedback. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I used to be definitely more self-conscious than I am today. And I think that it's through learning and through growing a thicker skin. You know, a lot of people have said stuff on YouTube or on my Instagram, HB Life Lens, which is a big channel now. A lot of things, a lot of people have said stuff that's quite hurtful. And through years and years and years of doing this, you develop a thicker skin, you develop strategies for coping. Uh, and eventually it just is like water off a, dus a duck's back. Mm. And the odds are the people that are commenting, the trolls have not done anything in their life mm -hmm. worth talking about. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I know that sounds horrible, but 99% of the time you find the trolls are just people sitting in their basement that haven't been outside in six years. Mm -hmm. And all of, all of a sudden, you see them commenting on rugby players' posts, you played shit today. You know, could you ever do it? No. So why have you, why are, Why would he listen to you? Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, we get a lot of that on YouTube. Yeah, it does happen. And it's just like, unfortunately, the way of the world. Mm -hmm. And people, people also like, people can uh, expose that side of the internet by doing something controversial and they know that it gets clicks and they know that it, it gets hate, but that's mm -hmm. what makes it popular. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like there's, yeah, the, it's totally separate to the, what, what the question was, but <laughs> 
Yeah, I suppose. Am I self-conscious? Yeah, I think everyone is. Mm-hmm. But you learn coping me- mechanisms, and you can do certain things to stop uh, that having an impact on you. Stop reading the comments, so to speak, as well. Okay. Yeah. Good advice. Um, all right. How did you become a travel blogger? How did I become a travel vlogger? Uh, as a, uh, I keep saying that's a good question, but these are really, honestly, they are, they're pretty good questions. Um, I suppose I got into, sh- very into video in the, j- just before COVID, I was always into photo- photography, but just before COVID, I got really into video and COVID hit at kind of a weird time, but and it was horrible for everyone, but it gave me a lot of time to kind of perfect my craft. And I'm not saying I'm perfect in any way, by the way, but, but scale up, so to speak. So COVID came along, it hit, everybody, the world went on to lockdown and I sat there and I filmed and I edited and I filmed and I edited and I presented, edited, filmed, edited, filmed. All of this stuff was dog shit. It was all really, really bad, but you need to start there. Uh, and you need to start, you know, it's never going to be good when you start. So I think I, I got into that. And then as soon as COVID stopped, my goal was to, I've, I've always been obsessed with capturing an emotion through video, uh, an atmospheric, harsh environment. I love that kind of stuff. So my first trip was to Iceland. So I had a FaceTime call during COVID with a guy called Alex, who's an unbelievable photographer and he taught me so much he's called Alex Williams amazing guy so I was on FaceTime to this guy and I've never met him and he seemed like a nice dude and I said listen why don't you come up to Scotland we'll go up to Sky the Isle of Sky and then we can go across to Iceland and we met a guy called Matty in Iceland another incredible photographer so we're in Iceland we rent a van and we went around Iceland for 10 days all three sweaty guys and stuck in this van and it was some of the most fun I've had in my life three random people I never knew all just connected with the same passion and the same drive uh, through photography and video and I did a vlog throughout that and photography and kept trying to get better and I was totally hooked after that like totally loved it And I hate, like one thing I hate about travel influencers, and I wouldn't consider myself one. One thing I hate about travel influencers is when they set up shots, like you'll have a girl that's like romantically touching her hands together and like looking at the camera. I hate that because it's such crap. And people will sit and and, and do that for hours. And that is not me. It's not me at all. If, If you watch my like Iceland vlog, for example, I just filmed real shit that happened. The car broke down. We got hit by a wave at Black Sand Beach. You know, there's tons of crap that happened and it was all real. And I love the realness adventure element to it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how I began getting in. That's that that's the catalyst for beginning to get into travel content and creation. Um, and then after that, I kind of realized that there was an there was a avenue to succeed when it came to putting a brand in that environment. Um, but I suppose that's a probably a separate question. Awesome. Okay. So, okay. <clears throat> Next question is, uh, where will you and the channel be in 20 years? Wow. Okay. Uh, the channel. So I suppose it, it depends which channel 
it is. I think, I mean, Chisholm Hunter channel is the big one at the moment. Uh, the Chisholm Hunter channel, I'd love to get that to the, the to 20 years. Christ, that's long. Um, I know, who knows what the platforms will be like at that point. Yeah, yeah, who knows? I mean, YouTube could change. I doubt it because it's on my Google, but you could YouTube could change. I think creating a tighter knit community on all channels. So let's speak about the Intermind podcast channel, for example. I'd love to end up doing live shows. I'd love to end up getting bigger and not better guests on, but just bigger guests that are more interesting, that are more qualified, that are more, um, uh, that are more finessed in their area of expertise, so to speak. You know. Famous actors, I'd love to speak to an actor and see how, mostly for the film side of things, actually, people that have filmed uh, huge movies like June or June 2 that's coming out really soon. I'd love to speak to those guys. How do they color grade that? That's that's my interest. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for our channel, it's creating that community and creating that live show and, and really educating and entertaining. The podcast, I would like to be somewhere that, that people can come to relax, but also learn. You know, Ali and I had a very good, He, I'm just talking about him because he was the last guest in, but we had a really good back and forth of just stuff that we didn't know. Like, by the way, Ali, did you know that dolphins, female dolphins have sex with tons of males so that the males don't know whose kid it is so that they don't kill the kid? That's so interesting to me. And we had that back and forth. Um, so people can learn a lot from these podcasts, but they can also be entertained. And it's not somewhere, it's not a cold place that, you need to come if, if you want to learn and that's it. It can be a warm place of, of some something to keep you company. You know, I'll keep you company through your your drive to work um, and hopefully you can learn something as well. Uh, that would be a cool thing for the Intermind podcast. For my personal channel, I think that I really just do that now because I love to do it and, and there's not really a goal to it anymore. You know, brands contact me regularly and I just don't really you know, unless it's a really huge brand I want to work with, like I work with Canon. Uh, and if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have even sure. caught that email, but mm -hmm. brands get in contact regularly. And I, I normally speaking, I just, I don't want to do it. You know, I've got enough on and that's my, my Instagram, my, my personal YouTube channel. So HB Lifelines and Harrison Brown are my little projects. And I feel like nobody else is watching. So this is it. It's me, it's my creativity. And I love that. Um, so, so in terms of my channels, it's just continuing having that hobby and passion and keeping the fire burning, uh, the Chisholm Hunter channel, I'd love to get into it, the event space eventually. So having watch, it's a watch channel primarily. So having watch enthusiasts come together and talk about, you guessed it, watches, that'd be cool. Um, and, and, and having more of a community. And I think that is actually happening now, mm -hmm. which is really exciting and it's amazing. And I think, yeah, having that community. You know, I'll be what, 20 years, man. I'll be 46. So me still doing YouTube at 46, who knows? You know, I do enjoy it. Uh, and I, yeah, would, would I still be doing a YouTube at 46? I don't know, yeah, man. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Who yeah. knows? You think so? I, I think so. I mean, I've seen people do it that are older there's, than me. There's I, plenty of people who do all sorts of ages, yeah. Yeah. And I do enjoy it. And the opportunity that YouTube gives you is amazing, you know, mm -hmm. and we've traveled some cool places. Mm -hmm. I think that I probably would still continue. Mm -hmm. I do love it. I, I think uh, that there's parts of YouTube that you just, you, you can't, pre after a while on YouTube, you can't really pretend 
Like if you're acting like somebody else, after two years, you're going to burn out. Mm -hmm. You can't continue that act up. And I think that I, I just, I never thought that people would connect with me on the channel uh, when I was myself, but they did. And that's such a lovely thing. Mm -hmm. That's really amazing. And I'm so glad. And um, I'm very privileged that, that you know, that that, that happened. Um, but yeah, 20 years time, all of the above. I, I'd keep scaling everything. You know, hopefully be comfortable going back to the question you asked at the start, you know, having a level of success where I'm comfortable and have my own time and I can film on my own time. Um, and also kicking this studio out to be really cool. <laughs> uh, we are starting, you can't see this on camera, but we've got a cool clock up here, a Hamilton clock. Thank you so much for Hamilton. We've got a cool set over to the left now. I want to start getting prints up and really having fun with the set, making it like truly experiential. Mm. Uh, that would be cool. Definitely. That would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're helping me with that as well. That's it. I know. We need to get a fridge in here as well. Get I know. Drinks. <laughs> I know. Get a wee beer, pop a beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Right. Uh, let's see. Next question. Who's your dream guest? My Wow. My dream guest on the mm -hmm. podcast. Mm -hmm. An inspiration to me growing up when I was getting into photography and videography. I've got two of them. Okay. So... My video editor inspiration is Sam Calder. Mm. I love his work. I love his creativity. I love his videography. I love that he kind of pioneered the transition-y edited teal and orange. I mean, he's away from that now, but that's kind of, he pioneered that space. And Sam Calder is this incredibly talented, introverted videographer. <clears throat> the reason I say introverted is because he doesn't post that much. He, he, I think looking past the persona on YouTube, he is perhaps more of an introvert. And I would kind of define myself as the same mm. a wee bit. I quite like my own space and having my own, just edit, you know, sit in a black room and just, <laughs> just edit. Another inspiration for his charisma, passion, uh, and just drive towards photography and video was Peter McKinnon, man. Mm. He just, and so many people will say this and I know they will, but Peter McKinnon is just a, cool guy and to, to and he's higher energy and I, lo I love that about him and he truly inspired me to perfect my craft I was always into photography and video since I was a kid I mean I've got my first camera over there that was I think I got it when I was like 13 or something like that I was always into photography but he he's the guy that I looked at and, and, he, and he connected so much emotion to his photos and his art that he truly inspired me uh, so Sam Calder Peter McKinnon. Two great sure. people. Love it. Yeah. Really cool. I do like Peter. He's a cool guy, right? Yeah, very cool. Even like his style. I know. You look at him and you're just like, I kind of want to be you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Get his trucks. <laughs> yeah, get some trucks, get some cool uh, stuff. Yeah, he's a cool guy. The rings and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's awesome. Um, okay, cool. So the next question is, uh, how do you find living with dyslexia and ADHD? Okay, that's, yeah, interesting. It can be tricky, especially I found it tricky and I've talked about you in, in, in depth about this. For those that don't know, I, Drew and I have worked together for two and a half years. Two and a bit, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're kind of just best pals because we spend so much time together as well. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we've talked about this. I think in relationships, it, it gets tricky because there, there's certain things that uh, someone with ADHD will do that seems rude, but to them, it's just like, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like I can't hide if I'm bored. And this was a nightmare in school. I was in lots of trouble in school and um, because it just bored me. 
I feel like with me, ADHD allows me the ability to hyper-focus. However, as we were talking about the other day, that can take a lot out of me. Mm-hmm. I'll hyper-focus on yeah. something for seven, eight, nine hours at a time, mm-hmm. blocks. Mm-hmm. I won't drink water. I will sit in front of a screen and hyper-focus because mm-hmm. I really love what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I'll walk away and be destroyed. Yeah. Eyes will be bloodshot. I'll be knackered. I'll have a splitting headache mm-hmm. because I haven't looked after myself, um, uh, w- which is really difficult. And I, I think... But then the boredom part is that, let's say my girlfriend's talking to me about something that happened in work. My brain will just switch off and I'll start doing something else. Mm. It's really horrible. Mm-hmm. But I just can't control that. And she's noticed that about me. Mm. Like I, I can't, I can't, um, I, I can't remain focused on something that I'm not interested in. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. You cannot make me focus on something that I'm not interested in. Mm. And it, like the, the lads will say, you know, why don't you come and watch the football? Mm-hmm. I, I don't really like football mm-hmm. and I don't really, I'm not really invested in football. Mm-hmm. So I can't do it. I, I can't sit there. I need mm-hmm. something to focus on or something to do. And, and I need multiple projects mm-hmm. open at one time. I think ADHD is a blessing in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, mm-hmm. uh, but it can also be quite difficult. Mm-hmm. It can be quite difficult for people. Dyslexia, I mean, it, it, it I believe that dyslexia is a gift and I think it was a gift for me because I had to figure out a different way of getting from A to B. Uh, You you also have dyslexia. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're writing out a text and you can't spell a word and you reform the whole sentence just just to like incorporate that word. (laughs) Or voice note. Or voice note. Yeah, that's what we do. Much easier. Much easier. But that's what dyslexia allows you to do. Mm -hmm. I've got a problem. Uh, I need to get to A to B and I can't go the normal route. So how am I going to get there? Mm -hmm. And that in later life is mm. so beneficial in mm. business because sometimes the, the problem's not A to B straight line easy. Mm-hmm. The problem is a squiggly line and yeah. people with dyslexia can navigate that squiggly line because they've had to do it their whole life. Yeah. And that can be really amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it can be hard. You know, like I was heavily bullied in school because I just, I was just awful when i was younger at school mm-hmm. i couldn't do it partially because i didn't give a shit about what they were teaching me like pythagoras like mm-hmm. when have i ever used that um and so, so it was partially because i didn't care but also because uh, you end up falling behind the rest of the class and then and then you you're picked on kids are kind of cruel um so it, it can be difficult in your younger years but it does result in more creativity in your older years, I mm. believe. Uh, I would advise anyone, especially with ADHD, try and see it as a gift rather than a curse, because I think it is. And I think that medication, in my opinion, is maybe not the right way to go. I also think that the rise of TikTok, uh, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, people's attention spans are getting naturally smaller. It doesn't mean you have ADHD. You know, I, I was diagnosed when I was. I was quite young, um, but the diagnoses of ADHD are just skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. And also the bad thing about it is self-diagnoses, diagnoses, is that even a word? Self-diagnosing mm-hmm. ADHD is rising. I wouldn't self-diagnose yourself something because then yourself of something because then that comes becomes your reality. Um, the, 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 the neurodivergency of ADHD uh, can be a benefit, but it can be, hard for some people um 
for a lot of people with it and, and, and same with dyslexia. However, I do think in the long run, these neurodivergencies can re like pay the dividends and can allow you to do things that not many other people would do or think of doing. Uh, and that's partially, I think, why I'm in a creative field. So do you think uh, dyslexia and being wrong would give you, especially when you're younger, would it give you trauma of, of you know, being wrong and like constantly being fear of, of, of being uh, wrong. of being wrong yeah 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 for sure I, I think so i think that any form of bullying can give someone trauma mm -hmm. you know you can get bullied for you know a certain women get bullied for the way they look and, which is horrible and wrong but kids are cruel and they end up changing their whole face because of it you know tra trauma can play a, play a huge part i think that D d being dyslexic and having ADHD can sometimes cause you to be more bullied, which can cause trauma. For me, it was uh, don't ask questions because you could be wrong and then you'll get bullied, which in turn resulted in me in later life doing something that nobody could tell me I was wrong at, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Mm -hmm, so yeah. I, I went into a niche where nobody could tell me I was wrong. Mm -hmm. What you think that photo is? not nice mm -hmm. well that's your perspective mm -hmm. photography is an art form mm -hmm. so well you don't like that video well that video to me was art so mm -hmm. if you don't like it I, I get it but it's not your taste it might mm -hmm. be someone else's so nobody could tell me i was wrong so i think that probably that's caused by trauma and not wanting to be wrong mm -hmm. um, and i think that a lot of people with dyslexia and adhd will probably face that Mm. Uh, which is which is a shame but kids are cruel and kids do pick on differences mm -hmm. and if you have a neurodivergency you are different mm -hmm. um not a bad thing but uh, you could be suffering from a certain strain of trauma and what i would advise people with adhd and dyslexia to do is look into their past did they get bullied for something in school and look at where they are now there, there, there is a clear line that I can draw between schooling and where I am today. And I can clearly see the influences of trauma mm. because I was uh, partially bullied when I was younger at school. Mm -hmm. Late, in later school, I kind of just became the guy that didn't care and drank a lot and was cool. Mm -hmm. But in early school, for sure, I was bullied. So my issue was uh, I was too, I had no confidence in myself. So I never wanted to be wrong. So in terms of school to where I am now, um, you know, there's a clear line where I went into areas that nobody could tell me that I was wrong. You know, social media, there's no set way of doing it. So you can't really tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, looking back on it now, there's things I could have done better and stuff like that. But yeah, photography, nobody can tell me I'm wrong. You know, YouTube, nobody uh, within our industry that is a retailer had done that before. So nobody had a right way of doing it. So I kind of forged that, like where we kind of forged that path to, uh, to, to, to doing that and to completing it. And nobody could tell us that we were wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely looking back in it. Some of the first things we used to do were definitely not right. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like, like not in a weird way, but like we'd post videos that just had no relevance yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So we didn't, we, but we were figuring it out, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that going back to your question, trauma has a huge impact on those uh, sp specific people 
most of the time with ADHD and dyslexia. And what I would advise for people is to look back at their past and look at where they are now. Are they in a job that somebody tells them that they're wrong all the time? Um, maybe they like the direction of having a, a manager, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Maybe they like the direction of someone saying, like uh, the encouragement of someone saying, listen, this is where to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is how to get there. For me, that's, that's not it. I hate that. I, I can't, I hate being told I've done a good job. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't, well, you like praise, surely. I, I don't. Well, so if you take a good shot and then people comment it on Instagram, you wouldn't like that. No, I, I don't. I don't like praise because I always think I could do better. Huh. And that's an issue. Yeah. Because I never, I really struggle to have a break because I'm always so trying to get the So you don't thing. reward yourself? Um, I might like let's say let's say we we do really yeah. well. I, I I do a travel video that I'm really proud of. Yes. The problem with that is that I'm trying to constantly, and this will be other people as well. By the way, I'm trying to constantly outdo myself. Yeah. Which is a never-ending cycle. Never-ending cycle. So the next video I post, I might be like, "Yeah, it was good, but I could do yeah. better." Yeah. And then eventually, you do it so so much that you you're you're trying to you, your post is high. Like there's a reel that I I did in Instagram got like 10 million views how do i beat that yeah like that's that's a lot mm-hmm. like there's a lot it's a hell of a lot of people with a hell of a lot of eyes it is. and at the time yeah and at the time you're like yeah you know what it's amazing um, and then i look back at it and i'm like i don't really like the style of that video or i don't like mm-hmm. this and no, i don't like that um but the numbers aren't always the same as the 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 art itself if that makes any sense no and that's that's the issue with so social media different. and that's why i use my instagram for only me Mm-hmm. You know, I post stuff that maybe doesn't get many likes. However, it's mine mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. But yeah, going back to your, your question, like I, I don't like praise. Uh, and I, I I believe it's because I never think I've done amazing. I like say someone says, listen, you did a really good video. It's got tons of views or whatever. Um, I, I don't like that because I feel like I can do better. Mm. So I don't like praise. My girlfriend said this to me before. I hate praise. But I also really hate being told that I'm wrong. Mm. That's why I don't like branded, like see branded work where they tell you what to do or mm. what to post. I, I freak out. I can't do it. It kills creativity. Mm. It absolutely kills mm. it. And so many brands do that. They try and control the creative output of a creator. The creator knows their audience better than the brand does. Like that's just a fact. Like there's, there's 120,000 people that follow my Instagram. I know that if I post a mm. picture of a watch on that Instagram, nobody cares. But um, but if I post a video of the top five places to travel in Scotland, a lot of them will care. But a brand doesn't get that. A brand doesn't is not in, is in tune with the audience. We've got a different agenda. You've got a different agenda, and that's yeah. Um, I can't even remember what your question was. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We've, we'll keep going. Um, so, uh, yeah, you've kind of touched on this in some ways, but um, advice to your younger self. Advice to my younger self. Um, I think advice to anyone that's young is to take a stab. Hmm. Like do it, but also don't listen to what people say. If you enjoy it, why bother what anyone else has to say and also if your friends are telling you not to do something you enjoy maybe they're not your friends like that that's kind of what happened to me in early life i had a group of friends i started properly getting into photography said friends said that's really embarrassing you can't do that 
So I got rid of it. I didn't get rid of it. I just blocked all those friends. You're not my friends. This is what I enjoy to do. And if you're not on board with it and are supportive, you're not my friends. And a lot of people get caught in this bubble of like, they will never try something new in fear of what other people will think. And that's really not a good way to live because you'll never fulfill your potential. And also you'll never find that thing that you're just really good at and you love to do Mm -hmm. because you're scared of what other people think. You might like writing poetry, Mm -hmm. but you're scared that your friends might might diss you for that, you Mm -hmm. know, might, might call you names for that. So you never fulfill that potential of becoming a poet. Um, and and I think that, yeah, that's advice that I would give, you know, be careful who your friends are and try and understand who are your real friends and not, mm-hmm. but also have a stab. Like the worst that happens is you try something and think, actually, I don't enjoy that and don't try it again. And if you do enjoy it, we'll do it again. Mm-hmm. And if you keep enjoying it, then maybe you've got something, maybe you're onto a winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be, you know, we had Tim Miller on the podcast who climbs, mm-hmm. he's a climber. He's a bloody good one at that. Mm-hmm. And that was his thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame some people in life don't find their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, photo and video, watches, cameras, podcasts, mm-hmm. it's my thing. But a lot of people in life don't find it because they never try. Mm-hmm. So it's just give it a stab. And I promise you, no one really cares. Like if you want to become a poet, like, you might get a bit of slack, you know, might get a bit of criticism from your friends. Yeah, like taking the piss out of you a bit, roasting you a little bit. But at the end of the day, like it will fade and no one really cares. And then what happens, there's a really weird thing that happens that as soon as, if you do find that thing that you enjoy and you do become successful at that thing that you like to do, all of a sudden people start flooding back to you. Mm-hmm. They want to be your friends again. Mm-hmm. That didn't want to be your friends before. And that's how you spot the fake ones. Mm-hmm. So there's people that, I'm very lucky that I've had with me throughout since school, amazing guys that, yeah, they roast me every now and again, whatever guys do it. But the fake ones that, that dropped off when I started doing video and photography, and then all of a sudden have returned six years later when all of a sudden things are going well, they're nowhere, you know, there's still loads of room for me to grow, but, and I'm by no means like heavily successful yet, but they, they all come back. Um, and that's how you spot the fake ones. So give it a stab and also just don't care what other people think. Honestly, they do not, they don't give a shit. That's yeah. the odds. The odds are they don't care. How do you clean your watches? Oh, a U-turn there. <laughs> how do I clean my watches? Uh, carefully. How do I clean my watches? Carefully. Depending on the watch, uh, the, uh, 18 karat yellow gold is a softer metal than stainless steel or titanium. Nine carat yellow gold is a little bit harder because it has less of that yellow gold in it. Now, so many people get a toothbrush and scrape their watches with a toothbrush, especially gold watches. Do not do that because you, you will scratch the surface of the gold uh, and that's not a good thing to do. Mm. You'll lose carat weight of gold by doing that. I think gently washing it with cloth, but also if you want to properly clean it up as in, in, in terms of like getting all the, you know, when you have a watch on for a while, you get scratches on the steel, mm. Uh, take it into a shop and get it buffed. You know, Ch- Chisholm Hunter do that. And I've had that done a couple of times with watches that I want to, to freshen up. Um, your watch will get scratches over time. It will it will show wear and tear, but that's just personality scars on a watch, which is fine. It's, it's good to have. How, how would I clean it? If you're in the house, you could uh, clean it by, you know, a, a warm, warm water uh, and a, a, a cloth or a, or a sponge, something soft that's not going to take the surface of the metal off. 
An interesting thing about platinum is if you scratch 18 karat yellow gold from one side to the other, the odds are that yellow gold will flake off. So you'll lose carat weight. An interesting thing about platinum is if you scrape that platinum from one side to the other, the metal actually stays in form. So you don't lose any carat weight. You've just moved some platinum over to the other side, mm. which is really interesting. Um, so that's why I really like platinum watches, but they are softer than stainless steel. So never use a toothbrush because you will start, end up kind of giving little scratches to that stainless steel. Uh, but yeah, that's how I'd, I'd clean it. Okay. It was a bit of a U-turn there. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird one, wasn't it? <laughs> um, okay. So has any, uh, well, we can answer that one. Sorry. That's the next question. Um, what camera did you start off with and where are you now with your cameras? I started off with a little digital camera. It's over to the left. What, what brand was that? Shit, the Sony? Did you film? No, I think it was Sony. It was a little digital. It honestly was like it's like the, if anyone's watching, it's about it's about the size of like a like a coaster, like a like a like a coaster to put your mug on. Really small, apart from a square. It's like a compact flash. Co compact flash, and that's where I started. I remember having that when I was really young, like not even a teenager. Yeah, I reckon I would have been maybe 12, 11. And our babysitter took us to Edinburgh Zoo. Uh, I used to really fancy her. I was in love with her. <laughs> she's called Esme. If she's listening to this, then I, I used to be totally in love with her. But anyway, uh, I had this little camera and I took it to Edinburgh Zoo. And I was fascinated at the fact that I could see what I'd taken. So I'd take a photo and I could see it. And then I kept trying to get better and better and better. And, and then eventually that led to me getting a uh, Nikon. I can't remember the model of Nikon. And then after that, I got a GH5S. And then after the GH5S, I got a Canon R5. And then we, for the studio, we got Canon R6 and two Canon R8s. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the, the progression of my camera uh, life, so to speak. I have to say, even though I am technically sponsored by Canon, Canon cameras are the best that I've used. Mm. There's certain things of Sony that I like, that I actually prefer, but as a full package, Canon cameras are so good, mm. so good. Like the color capture in Canon is, in my opinion, the best amongst cameras. Mm. It's really good. It's really good. Unless you're going up to like a Black Magic or something like that, mm -hmm. but that's, you're no longer on mirrorless cameras, mm. you know, you're- Yeah, yeah. you're moving up to you, motion video, like, you know, video, production. You know, production, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah proper video, video production. That's like movie style stuff. Yeah, your Reds and your Aries and yeah. all those toys. Yeah, the big boys. Um, that's awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, so what's your thoughts on the Apple Vision Pro and the future of computing and the effects on society? With a random one. I think that it, it interesting one. I think that it won't have as much as an, of an impact as people think. The reason being is that people love human connection. I do believe that. And I have to believe that. You, you, we want to believe that because that's what makes us people. Now, putting a headset on and having all your, you know, your stuff, like who actually wants to go around with that big stupid headset on? People are doing it. I don't know why. But, but they, look, they, look, <laughs> they look stupid doing it. Like, I'm, yeah, it's cool. Like, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's really cool. But, but it, like, it looks dumb. Like, it, and until that becomes seamless, until that becomes a contact lens that you can put in your eye, I don't think it's going to take over. I think that like people love human connection and you're never going to wear that to the pub, 
right? Because you'd just be mm. ripped to shreds. Mm. I don't think, I think that the, was it the future of technology? Was that the last bit of that question? Uh, the effects in society. The effects in society, will, yeah, it's fun, but I don't think it will have any more effects than the, the kind of, the you know, the PS5 or PS4 or PS3 does. Mm. I think that we're just making things better and better, but it hits a saturation point where it doesn't actually matter how good it is. You know, like it hits a point where you're tweaking such minor details that nobody will notice. I think that's like, like the PS4 is pretty damn similar to PS5. Yeah, maybe PS5 is a little bit faster. Like, but like essentially the games are similar. Mm. So it's going to get to a point where the graphics are so good that like there's no moving past that. There's mm. no getting better uh, unless you tweak certain things. So I don't think you'll have, I, I'm not worried about it. I'm more worried about, it's kind of a weird subject, but I'm more worried about the effects of there, there's these AI like sex robots now. Mm. And I, I'm that stresses me out and I worry about that uh, for, for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Because if you can tune something just to your kinks, right? You don't need to tell anybody. You tune something just to your kinks and you and you that robot or whatever can only be there when you want it to be there. It makes it so easy that you are getting sexual gratification from something that just isn't alive. Mm. And that that's to me quite scary because mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you're kind of, it's so unnatural and you're hijacking human in instincts mm -hmm. um, for a robot. Yeah, oh, pretty bleak. Which is weird. Pretty, pretty bleak. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, next question. Uh, what on our turn? What lenses do you have, and when do you use them? Lenses I have, and lens what I use. Okay, so my lenses that I own and use readily at the moment are a fifteen to thirty five two point eight landscapes. Uh, brilliant for portrait landscapes. For example, I was in Glencoe the other day, and I managed to get everything fit in the one frame. Uh, 24 to 70 is my mid-range. I normally vlog with that because I can punch right into stuff. If I'm showing things, uh, people things, I can punch right into that. Um, that's also the one that we use in the studio because you can get good depth of field and you just have more flexibility. You have more range. My 7200 is 2.8, again, is what I would use for nature photography or more compressed images. So if I wanted the mountain to look really, really big in comparison to the subject... I would use a 70 to 200. I also have a 51.8, which is great for like wrist shots, for example, for filming watches, but also it allows more light into the lens. And it's cheap as well. It's a nifty 50. It's really cheap. So it's because it's a 1.8, it allows more light into the lens, meaning you can, you, you can use it in lower light conditions. And uh, and yeah, that's that's the, uh, there's more lenses than that that we have literally upstairs right now, but, but that's the, the kind of set that I hop between. And unless I'm shooting the Northern Lights where you'd maybe need a prime lens that goes 1.2 to let more light in, then uh, that's what I use. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, how did you shoot the Aurora in Finland? Camera settings, please. Oh, I remember this question. That was on my personal profile. So we shot... I need to be careful here. So I, full disclosure, I'm sponsored by Canon. Uh, and I've con I'm contracted into them for another year, <laughs> but we did shoot this on a Sony. Uh, we shot it on a Sony with a prime lens. A prime lens is more expensive, so we, we rented the prime lens from, from, I believe it was Wex, and that was a 1.2. Now, a 
lens combined with the Sony a7S 3 which has a dual pixel uh, kind of noise reduction mode. As soon as you, I did a full review on this, as soon as you pass a certain level of ISO, I think I believe it's 3200, it brings in another level of noise reduction. So you have the benefit of not having as noisy footage when it's dark, but you also have another benefit of having a prime lens that lets more light in. So that's how we filmed that. Now, another thing, another little couple of things you can do to make your footage look better is drop your shutter to 40 and have a frame rate of 24. That allows a little bit more light in. Technically, you shouldn't do that because if you're filming on 24 shutter, it should be 50. But that allows a little bit more light in and not many people can tell if you just use it really slowly. Filming in log helps you have more flexibility of colors um, and also just having a tripod there. If you if you want to lower that shutter speed, you can a little bit. And if you have it on tripod, nobody can really notice. So yeah, that was a mm. long-winded mm. way of saying it. But It's all in there. Though. So I packed that yeah, for yeah, the mission. <laughs> yeah. Next question. Um, advice for starting a podcast? Good question. Advice for starting a podcast. Well, I mean, we're relatively new in our podcast journey. I think if you're starting a podcast, you know, have the image that you want, what kind of podcast do you want to create? Do you want it to only be about one certain topic that you're interested in? That they, from experience, those podcasts are easier to grow, but harder to sustain. Reason being is you burn out everyone that is in that certain topic. Or do you want your podcast to be purely informational, uh, purely transactional? You know, if the listener listens, he gets something from the podcast. Or do you want your podcast to be funny? Is it just stories? Uh, you, you need to figure out what you what you want your podcast to be, and then I think what, what you when you figure that out, don't invest really heavy in the equipment yet. Only get the basics, what you need, and then podcast for you know twenty episodes. If you still like it and you still want to continue that work up after twenty episodes, then yeah, start investing in the equipment. But there's so many people that I've seen that have started a podcast invested heavily in the equipment and the cameras and the tripods and the lighting everything uh, to the extent where they're almost renting a studio and then after 20 episodes they've just disappeared they don't want to do it anymore and spent all that money in equipment which is a shame uh, but a podcast you're in the podcast for the long haul you know results do not show quick they show very slowly and they compound over time so advice for podcasters that want to get into it or young podcasters is be patient uh, and also test things before you invest mm. like your camera equipment and all that kind of stuff and, and find your niche as well good advice okay uh right last question what's your most realistic grill watch versus your unrealistic grill watch <laughs> another watch one okay uh my oh god all my grill watches are not very realistic <laughs> My unrealistic grill watch would be like some kind of tourbillon. Oh no, the, the, I've, I've said this in a couple of videos. Well, maybe not. The Vacheron Constantin Overseas Everest Edition is something that I just can't get over. The fact that Corey Richards, uh, Corey Richard, a famous photographer, is linked to that. Amazing. Mount Everest on the back of it. His photo of Mount Everest to top off on the back of it. Amazing. Uh, he's a guy that posts on Instagram and it's just what he wants to post because mm. he's yeah anyway um 
that's probably unrealistic because it's limited edition. It's never going to be come back in stock. You know, it's done. It's, it's sold. You can't find any of them pre-owned. The very few numbers of them. Another one that's unrealistic is <laughs> you remember the AP Royal Oak Turbion Purple that the Dwayne Johnson the Rock had. Yes. Do you remember that? That's I I find that super sexy. It's like frosted gold. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really really cool. It has stuck with you that one. That has really stuck with yeah, me. Yeah, it it's just so unique. It is. It's, it's such unique. a weird watch yeah. but also really cool yeah i actually only recently found out that arnold schwarzenegger kind of really brought back ap really he was kind of like a big so so you know don't quote me but from what i heard he was like a big catalyst for like bringing them into the limelight really and it's coincidental that dwayne johnson you know he's a big dude so like big dudes yeah. you know like these guys kind of rock back a lot of these watches yeah, yeah yeah that's interesting yeah so they say that's really interesting yeah, yeah. Wow, Arnold, what a guy, right? Oh, I know, I love him. Such a cool guy. Um, in terms of realistic grill watches, I mean, I'm not going to have this money until I'm at least 50 or 60, but it would be going up to a Vacheron overseas, a normal Vacheron mm. overseas, if APs ever come down in price, <laughs> which I'm sure they won't, but an AP Royal Oak at cost would be maybe in the picture. Um I've always loved Patek Philippe Nautiluses, but I just think they're, I, I now think that they're maybe a little bit cliche. Mm. You know, it's what everyone goes to, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, look at Rolex, mm -hmm. but I'd like to have something a little bit different. Uh, so yeah, well, one of those, the Holy Trinity, right? So to speak, uh, one of the Holy Trinity. I, I mean, there's other brands that I like that, that have higher net, you know, items. Like oh, Omega is a brand that I've, I'm obsessed with uh, i like chopard i like what they're doing at the mm. moment weirdly mm. uh, yeah there's quite a few but um but yeah i suppose that's the that's the two awesome all right well well thank you thank you for uh doing this oh thank you very much and uh, thank you for everyone that fired a question in uh really appreciate it this is our 20th episode special so next week or whenever we next release a podcast which will probably be next week because it's every week <laughs> we'll be getting back to normal we'll be getting back to business uh with guests on the show and every kind of special episode we'll do some sort of q a so stay tuned on the into the mind channel uh, that's on instagram on youtube or you know anywhere else spotify and thank you guys so much thanks <laughs>